Hello, everybody. My name is Lenore Swiston, and I'm the host of Civically Speaking on CFCR, a 90.5 FM community radio here in Saskatoon. And today is a special edition. It's our November edition of Behind the Curtain with Councillor David Curtin at Saskatoon City Hall. And he's going to be doing an, an interview with our new executive director at the Saskatoon Housing Initiatives Partnership, or something that we know of as SHIP. And the name of our executive director is Priscilla Johnstone. So uh, it is a real honor for Civically Speaking to have both of you on this show. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to David, who's going to use his journalistic chops now for the remainder of the show uh, to kind of take us through a journey um, with um, Priscilla in terms of her new role. So welcome to the show, Priscilla. And uh, over to you, uh, Councillor Curtin. Well, thanks very much, uh, Lenore, and I'm, I too am uh, very, very pleased, very pleased to have Priscilla Johnstone on as our guest uh, for this particular Behind the Curtain episode uh, of, of your program. And you know what, when we talk about uh, Priscilla's uh, time as executive or as a uh, uh, CEO of, of a SHIP, that hasn't been very long at, at this point, has it, Priscilla? No, it hasn't. It's. I believe I'm just going into my third month actually so I'm still very very new. Well SHIP has had its uh, share of CEOs over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Lynn Brown had uh, jumped in just I guess when COVID started and uh, that must have been an, a, a wild ride for everybody uh, of course uh, within uh, within SHIP but uh, for Lynn as well but now I suspect that you're in a wild ride uh, as well and we're gonna we're gonna get into that but uh, tell me about you know, let's get a little bit into your background, because I think it it truly helps us understand why it is so important that you are now the CEO at SHIP. Okay, um, thank you. Um, so myself, a, a little bit of my, my background, um, I guess maybe I could kind of start where from where I'm from. So I'm originally from Mistawasa's First Nation. So it's about an hour and a half north of Saskatoon, mm -hmm. um, uh, but I grew up in Saskatoon. Um, um, I was a um, single mom with four children. Um, for a period of time, I lived on social assistance because uh, I was a high school dropout, and I guess I came from some very, very humble beginnings when I when I. Um, first started in, in my, my journey of this life, I guess I could say. Um, so I've had some very, very memorable times where it was extremely difficult. And I, and I know with a lot of families, just being a single mom um, in and of itself is, is very daunting. Um, so I had uh, started a program called Links to Health Services back in the late 90s. Um, and I started off as a casual position with uh, the health authority. Um, and then I moved on from there, um, had multiple positions in there, and just kind of worked my way up from casual, casual work and then went on to full-time employment. And I was with the health authority for about a period of 10 years. Um, and then I went back to school. Um, I went and um, obtained my addictions counseling through SIIT. And then from there, I, I heard about a program um, uh, in regards to policing 
and it was, there was a mentorship program that was um, created through the Saskatoon, um, sorry, with the Regina Police Service. And I believe it was part of the SPARC committee was to have more Indigenous representation on police services throughout the province of Saskatchewan. So once I completed school, I went down for a two-week training with uh, Regina in their police college. And at that time, I thought it was kind of a little bit of a vacation because I just finished school. Um, I figured I'd kind of just go and just see what it was about. At that time, I was also a lot older, I was about 34 years old, 34, 33. So I thought I was too old to get into policing. I, I figured that train had kind of left uh, many, many years prior. Um, so I went down for the two-week training and immediately the first day there I was just, I was so excited. I wanted everything to do with policing. Um, so I went through the, the two-week training where it was all about the fitness component, the um, the firearms component, just the vehicles, like I learned so much. It was like I was a sponge. I just soaked it all up. Um, and then I applied with both the Regina Police Service ANSA and the Regina Police Service. So I eventually got hired on with Regina Police Service. So then I entered into a five-year career with Regina Police Service as a regular constable. And then I retired from Regina and then moved to Fort Capel and joined the File Hills uh, Police Service, which was a rural uh, First Nations um, policing organization on Okanese First Nation. And we partnered alongside with the uh, local RCMP detachment in Fort Capel. So I did that role for about a th um, three and a half years. And then in the uh, January, I believe, of 2018, then I um, finally put my policing career behind me. Um, I just, there was, there was just so many pieces around policing. Um, I had some family issues with an elderly father. I just didn't have um, that time to, con to continue with the policing career. It was, it was so daunting and I was having some medical issues as well. Um, so it was a very tough decision, but at the same time, I was extremely grateful for the amount of um, knowledge that I gained and for the respect of just the whole policing perspective with my fellow brothers and sisters that were in the force. So um, very grateful and very happy for the time that I did have um, in the policing experience, both in a uh, rural area as well as a uh, municipal area. Um, so then I went on into... Um, uh, addictions. Uh, so I worked as a counselor with uh, Leading Thunderbird Lodge, which was a drug and alcohol youth treatment center in Fort Capel. So I worked in that role for a few years. Um, really loved it. The whole component was um, culturally based. So the whole perspective was to bring youth back to their cultural identity um, and to reconnect um, lost culture and to reincorporate re that identity structure as an as an individual and where they come from. Um, so I loved it. I loved it. I I for me it brought back that perspective of of my teachings when I was a young child. I found that the beginning of my policing career. Um, 
I really struggled a lot in regards to my identity and the role that I had to play. Um, and then what I realized is reconnecting to my culture. And I and I learned some of these teachers when I, teachings when I was um, taking the addictions counseling. Um, and I just reconnected back to my grandparents and my great-great-grandparents and just bringing back in that cultural component. At the same time, I, I did a lot of um, um, sweats with local elders. Um, I was able to take in part in my, um, they call it the rain, um, rain dance. In some cultures, they call it the rain dance and other call it the sun dance. So I took part in the sun dance and just learning those teachings of going without food and going without water for a period of time and, and having visions and just reconnecting back to the community. Um, I found that perspective really helped me regain who I was and where I come from. And then it got me to really start looking at my heritage and you know, where my, you know, ancestors came from. So I really tapped into that culture and that perspective of identity as to who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I use that as my foundation kind of moving forward. So I was able to articulate and share that, that piece with the youth that I worked with. Um, because my story and my upbringing was no different than any of the youth that I was actually working with from a cultural, I mean, from a drug and alcohol perspective. But one of the biggest things that I had seen at the time is that there was a complete disconnect with their cultural identity and where they came from. A lot of the youth that we worked with came from urban settings and didn't have a connection in regards to their ancestors or, or their their reserves or, or place of origin or, of where they came from. So having that uh, cultural component um, brought into the to the drug and alcohol treatment component was amazing. Um, so I was there for a period of time and then I left and I came back to Saskatoon and I believe that was March of 2020. So it was right in the cusp of the pandemic. I worked with the Saskatoon Tribal Council Health Centre, so I was there for a period of about six months. And I tell you, it was probably by far the most difficult thing to deal with. Uh, at the same time, you're dealing with a pandemic and you're having to navigate and you're brand new person in the organization at the same time. So that's probably why I didn't stay in that realm for very long, because I actually uh, left from that position in September of last year and then I came over to the Saskatoon Housing Initiatives Partnership. So I've been here for just over a year. So There's so much of your past experience that plays into what you do today and, and, and the people that you work with uh, today. And uh, being on the board, I know that, that there was a real effort to find uh, someone uh, with Indigenous ancestry uh, for this position. Tell me how important you believe it is that someone with, uh, who is Indigenous be uh, in your position. Oh, I think I might sound a little bit biased here, and I apologize, but I think it's <laughs> extremely important to have somebody who has not only lived experience, um, but also first-hand knowledge uh, in regards to, you know, homelessness issues. Um, 
and I revert back to my own life, right? As my as myself as a child growing up um, in urban settings as well as living on reserves. So um, sometimes housing on reserve is very difficult to obtain because um, there are so, the population is so high on reserves and there isn't enough housing. So there's always um, issues of ad inadequate housing and I remember growing up with with that component when I was a kid so we would always move to urban settings um, and then just the trans trans you know the transient behavior kind of going back and forth um, but another piece as well is just currently right now uh, based on a point in time count I believe it was 2018 there's roughly 85 percent of the homelessness population that we have here in Saskatoon are of individuals of Indigenous or Métis descent. So it's extremely high and I know other um, urban settings across Canada have a very high amount of uh, homelessness population, right? And a majority of that demographic are, are of Indigenous or Métis descent. So having that perspective of knowledge and, and cultural perspective from the life that I lived when I was a young kid. Um, we moved around a lot when I was little. My, my, parents, uh, my parents struggled with alcohol um, addictions, so uh, we constantly ran from home because of the unsafe um, situations in our family, right? So we moved around a lot and just trying to find that stability in my home environment when I was a child was extremely difficult so I really re relate to some of the clientele and the demographic that we deal with on that personal level um, because my story is no different than theirs um, in in reality it's probably very very similar um, so sharing that perspective of you know that that's my family I've gone through that too but here's what I've done to change that um, really helps them um, and it also helps me so that I can give back um, because when I was going through you know trials and tribulations of my life right I mean I've, I've gone through many as as other people have gone through many sometimes I was kind of my own champion though I didn't have a lot of those um, mentors or people to look up to or how to model my life after so I kind of learned by trial and error so I, I promised myself that I would try and help and support the best way that I can um, just to navigate or help somebody in the right direction. So, so now we've got the pandemic. Uh, we have a, another winter coming up. And last winter was a brutally cold one, which I know you were, you know, you were at ship and uh, working within that. Uh, and we also... Added on to that have the Saskatchewan income support changes where uh, it used to be landlords uh, would receive a portion of that, uh, that uh, money uh, on a monthly basis. Now it is all going to the recipients. And we don't have to look any further than the, uh, the, uh, the tweets that come out of, uh, for instance, Quint, uh, the Quint Corporation to see that the challenges and uh, the heartbreak that, that that's creating. So you've, you've, you're, you've come in at a time when we've got a bit of a tsunami happening uh, here, Priscilla. So tell us about that. Tell us how it is affecting uh, so many people in, in this city. Oh, there are so many pieces that are 
impacting our vulnerable population, right? So the, the, the pandemic even, you know, that whole realm in and of itself has, has created a, um, a lot of barriers for a lot of people. And, it, and it's forced us all into a realm where we have to start thinking differently um, to be able to provide the same supports and services within community. Um, so that's one more barrier that our, our vulnerable, vulnerable peoples have to face, like in regards to social distancing, right? The um, amount of rooms or, or resources uh, available is limited. Um, in, at the same time now we're coming into the cold weather so we we monitor the cold weather strategy and we work with the majority of the um, rest of the community organizations to help and support our vulnerable population during extreme weather so just the coordination acts aspect of that endeavor is very daunting as well um, because then it's also based on like we have to be able to problem solve and kind of think outside the box of how we can all work together to still be able to provide the supports even though our capacity level is nowhere near what it's been prior to cold I mean prior to pandemic so we need to we we need to think more innovatively um, and we've done a very very good job uh, communities doing um, exceptional work in in regards to all of the adversity that we have to work through last year we had the two weeks i believe it was in march february yeah. march where it was extremely cold but we were able to work very good, uh, effectively with all community it was our shelters our outreach components the emergency management with the city of saskatoon our housing case managers here uh, we all just congregated and worked together effectively in regards to okay who has capacity to do this who doesn't have capacity to do that and it was just sitting down together and formulating a plan um, and it worked amazing so now going into the winter season again um, I'm very happy and very proud to say that our community is really stepping up again um, I actually just had a meeting this morning with the uh, city of Saskatoon and um, our local fire department in regards to some of the encampments that we are seeing. So very happy and proud of how we're all coming together and trying to work collectively and how we can best support the vulnerable population this particular winter season so that no one is left without a safe or secure place uh, during the winter. Um, we also have Tribal Chief Mark Arkan that is also working with us to try and um, allocate additional um, capacity for clients that, or sorry, not clients, but vulnerable population where they have somewhere safe um, to go to. So right now we're, we're in the planning stages. We're trying to work through the logistics. Um, but I know right now we're also dealing with the situations with the Ministry of Social Services and the changes to the income assistance program and the new SIS program. Now I can't speak um, a hundred percent in regards to um, their policies, their procedures or, or um, on, on their end and I, and I don't want to put throw words in their mouth either but I think in, in any situation there's 
there there's growing pains um, but I do agree that that some of the reasoning and some of the pieces has has caused more harm than than good um, and I'm an outsider I'm looking at from the outside looking in and I think some of that may have been able to be mitigated if there was more collaborative consultation with community organizations in regards to what was going to happen. Um, and forgive me, I'm, I'm not trying to knock them or anything, but I, I think if that collaborative and open dialogue, open communication, it might have helped to alleviate some of the barriers that we're currently seeing right now. Um, but I think that's in any situation, right? Um, I think if new programs and, and um, new policies and procedures are rolled out, is you're going to go through some growing pains. Um, and it's always kind of in the back burner of, oh, I think if we would have had more communication this way or that way, then it probably would have turned out a little better. Um, but my understanding is that they're willing to communicate now with um, community and with community organizations. I mean, I've, I've talked with the uh, the Ministry of Social Services and we're working together to try and assist with the cold weather strategy to support one another um, but I can't speak in detail in regards to the advocacy piece of the um, Quint and, and what Quint, Quint is doing I I've only got little snippets of that information so I do apologize no, and that's and that's fine. But I'm very happy to hear that uh, you say that there is some communication uh, happening now, and I will hope that there is some recognition on the provincial level uh, of what had already been forecast by many of the of many of the organizations. Mm -hmm. But you know what, Priscilla, let's let's talk about what we can do then. What you know, people who are listening uh, to this uh, program, is there something that they can do to help us as we move into this cold winter times or if, uh, or even, I guess, politically with the Saskatchewan income support uh, changes and the like? Uh, or do you, do you ever get calls from people who say, look, I hear about the vulnerable. What can I do? Oh, absolutely. We, we get quite a few calls in regards to how they can help and support you know, uh, last year we actually had a few people that were trying to reach out and to support with a potential hotel, um, you know, to pay for a hotel for somebody for the night. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't accept any of those because we are not a charitable status. So we would, we would just redirect those supports back to some of our community organizations and, and we would help them in regards to you know, maybe an organization would need toques or mitts or warm or warm coats or something, and we would redirect that back into the community. Um, there is one piece that we're thinking of, um, thinking more collectively, because um, we have such a higher number of vulnerable people who are becoming homeless now. One approach isn't going to fix all of it. It, it has to be multi-layered. It has to be um, a little bit from every organization as well as the province, like um, as well as the city. So my perspective is if we all give a, a, you know, a little tiny piece to the, to the overall puzzle and then we all connect them together, um, we'll have more success in regards to that multi-layered approach um, and more of that collaborative piece. So we're starting to have those conversations they're 
I'm, I'm excited about them. Um, we've been talking about the encampment pieces in regards to the safety and security of, of the homelessness population. We don't want to put people into precarious situations, the dangerous situations. Um, so we're looking at other avenues of maybe some potential teepees going up in certain areas within the city that are manned by volunteers. Um, we're working with the city on how we can best incorporate that so that there's another avenue and that it's not just, oh, let's just put all of the homeless people into hotels. Like that's not going to work and it's not sustainable and there's no capacity to be able to incorporate that from a long term. So every little tiny piece helps um, and we will accept any calls or concerns on how people would like to help. We will we will redirect them of where they need to go and we'll try and provide that uh, conduit to support people within the community. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's devastating some days. Uh, I'm sure some days, I hope, that, that there's a, some gratification as well of, of a job well done by somebody uh, that it made a difference uh, within, uh, you know, somebody else's uh, lives, uh, Priscilla. In, in the last minute or two, do you have a highlight in your short period of time so far as a CEO of SHIP? Oh, absolutely. Um, today, actually, with our conversation that we had with a variety of our community partners, it is so different than where it was a year ago. Um, a year ago, um, planning prior to the to the winter months, and just having the conversations this afternoon and bringing all these pieces together, for me, was so gratifying. Because everybody in the community, we're no longer thinking like this with our binder, blinders in regards to what our capacity is. It was all outward thinking, okay, what can I do? Here's what I can, I can support, right? So I was ecstatic actually, and some of the staff were laughing at me because I was so happy because I was like, yes, this is it. This, like nobody has to recreate the wheel. The objective is take that tiny little piece and then just, that, if that's all you can do, awesome. You know what, on that very, very positive note, I think that's a great way to uh, to end this conversation. And I, I want to take this time <laughs> to thank you so much uh, for this and for the work that uh, you and your team uh, do at that ship. So Priscilla, thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll uh, send it back to you, Lenore. Yeah, thank you so much, Councillor Curtin. Um, you know, Priscilla, just I feel so um, much gratitude for you taking on the position of the Thank you. And thank you, David, for hosting today's Civically Speaking, as always, here in Saskatoon on CFCR 90.5 FM. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Much appreciation. Be well, everybody. Take care.